had all this cool stuff up, stuff up and tactics and strategies up my sleeve, but a lot of them didn't work and I had to figure out how to do things differently. Hello and welcome to Fishy Business, a series dedicated to exploring the lesser known side of cybersecurity. I'm Alice. And I'm Brian and we're colleagues at Mimecast. Every episode will be joined by a special visitor who is definitely not your average guest to share tales of risk, reward and ridiculousness. We'll be looking for new ways to think about cybersecurity to learn how we can all improve in the fight to stay safe. So Alice, let me quote directly from our Slack channel we have about this podcast. I said, I think we should interview Danny Wolf. She's getting a lot of traction on LinkedIn and her podcast and her mission around how cybersecurity marketing sales and support is totally broken. And handily, your wish is our producer's command. Today, we're speaking with Danny Wolf cybersecurity marketing expert and podcaster. Indeed, Danny spent the last decade running digital marketing and demand generation departments for high growth technology startups. She has since created Audience First to help cybersecurity vendors truly understand what CISOs and CIOs want from them. So let's get stuck in. Welcome, Danny. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. And it's I'm flattered that you you wanted me on the show. And I'm actually fangirling right now that I'm talking to all of you. So <laughs> thank you. Likewise. Well, we always like to start by simplifying things a little. If we start from the beginning, how would you maybe describe what you do to somebody at a dinner party? Well, I think you hit the nail on the head in, in the introduction. Um, to be more specific, I help cybersecurity marketers better understand their buyers so that they could sell sell more. Okay. Um, let's maybe kind of just dive into a little bit of that and, and the cybersecurity vendors and that. In one of your podcast episodes, you said that uh, the cybersecurity sector made sense to you and that you didn't see yourself changing industry any, anytime soon. And I think I've got a similar kind of approach. I sort of fell into cyber from more of an IT background. and But maybe explain to us why, why that is for you and, and what in, interests you about the sector. Yeah, I, I was very much attracted to the sector because uh, the industry, first and foremost, is solving very challenging problems these days. And I always look for more trouble than I can chew off. So I felt like I, I fit in to that industry already to, to try and help serve, you know, help serve the underserved and help them help protect them in, an, in, in, in a way I feel kind of a sense, a sense of camaraderie and a sense of uh, responsibility to, to join that mission. Um, and I wanted to, to tackle that, you know, that's innately why I joined, uh, joined the industry almost five years ago. Um, and I, I have a deep, deep passion to understand technology and understand how technology, you know, affects people and, and how I can be part of that mission is, is something that truly, truly attracts me and had me, you know, had me right from the get-go. Um, I, I knew right away that I wanted wanted to be part of that mission. That's amazing. And I love how you mentioned it as a, a mission there as well. I think in cybersecurity, we all see it as we're all in this together, you know, tackling the latest threats and, and malicious actors, for example. And you've mentioned that you started your agency audience first because you found that marketing strategies that worked maybe in other industries didn't necessarily work in, in cybersecurity. 
would you be able to elaborate on that a little bit more for us? I'd love to dig deeper into that and understand what you were seeing there in terms of the differences and the requirements that cybersecurity had that might be unique. Yeah. So, you know, as you stated earlier, I've been working for uh, high growth technology startups for over a decade. And, you know, the requirement when you're working at startups is that you have to 2x and 3x growth and and you have to find unique ways that that work with your audience, um, you know, to to scale that growth. And when I ventured into cybersecurity, I said, OK, well, I have a lot up my sleeve. I know digital. I know demand. I'm going to try these strategies out. And I realized very quickly that some of those strategies don't work with this audience because they're a much harder audience to tap into. They're a lot more cynical. They're a lot more skeptical because of the nature of the job, less less trustworthy. And so uh, it was much harder to access those customers, much much harder to access, to much harder to um, persuade that audience to even give you the time of day and that, you know, that posed a, a very deep challenge as a demand marketer for a high growth cybersecurity startup, right? I had all this cool stuff up, stuff up and tactics and strategies up my sleeve, but a lot of them didn't work. And I had to figure out how to do things differently. That led me to uh, change my mindset in, in terms of how I function as a, as a marketer today or throughout my whole journey, really, in security. And that's fascinating because it actually is kind of where you popped up on my radar. I follow a bunch of uh, CISOs who I find quite interesting on various channels, LinkedIn being kind of one of them. And there's a particular subset of those I refer to. I won't tell you who they are. You could probably guess uh, some of them, at least I call them the grumpy CISOs because they gen they really are, as you say, cynical and all of those kinds of things. But you've touched on that a little bit. Um but what are the peculiarities of marketing in the cybersecurity sector specifically? I mean, you've touched on the sort of cynicism of the CISOs and that, but why do you think it is that they're so cynical? Is it, is it just because of the subject matter is it, you know, or is it something else? I think it's because of the subject matter. I think it's the nature of the job. It's high stress. Um, it's a very serious job. The, 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 the buyers and practitioners are solving serious uh, threatening, you know, threatening issues which emotionally takes a toll on people. And so uh, as a salesperson, anybody, as a professional in the industry, it's our duty to reduce as much complexity and friction for those people on the front lines, even if they're on the front lines behind a keyboard. Um, and so, so, so that those emotions come into play. And that's what I found particular in the industry is that it's a much more emotional industry, not because of the fact that they're buying, you know, multi-million dollar products, but the fact that they're dealing with very serious threats, which is scary. And that's something that's very unique. And I, I think that's a really interesting point that you raised there. And um, well, I think one topic that definitely kind of resonates with me, I work in the customer experience space, and we talk a lot about that human interaction, that emotional element. And um, you know, having spoken with CISOs myself, often they describe themselves as coming from potentially a, a techie background and they're having to learn, say, um, you know, interacting with different stakeholders, with different personalities, different emotions, say, running at that table. Through your experience of having the strategies that you thought would work in the past and now moving into, you know, working with a potentially slightly different demographic of people, were there new strategies that you found that you thought surprised you or that 
you tried and tested them and found actually they worked brilliantly and maybe you weren't expecting such a great success? Yeah, so um, I hate using the word influencer, but I would say, you know, co-creating with buyers that have some influence in the market or opinion, I would say, that have an opinion in the market, polarizing opinion in the market has has proved to be very uh, beneficial for me and the vendors that I've worked for. Um, because at the end of the day, what, you know, because buyers are innately uh, uh, less trustworthy due to the nature of their job, they're more so going to listen to peers. And so if you can collaborate and provide value to a particular buyer and co-create with them content that is long-term and evergreen, that will serve as a great strategy to get brand visibility, to get interest in, in your core offering and in the solutions that you're, that you're providing. And in general, it, it, it's also a great opportunity to just serve the industry and help. I think you, you, you're being way too modest because you clearly touched a nerve. Um, and I think what you started doing just by asking questions and asking the right questions is, I think we sort of saw the cynical thing and everyone just assumed that the, uh, the CSOs are just generally cynical, but you know a lot of what you're saying, and from listening to some of your interviews, it seems that marketing through fear and ambulance chasing and buzzwords and and kind of things that and not necessarily understanding the context that the CSOs find themselves in was just not welcomed at all by CSOs. But and and saying not welcomed is is an understatement. I mean, actively hated might be a better way to put it. Um, would you say that's fair? Um, is there any kind of tension in that? Absolutely. I, I mean, I, I, I've been through the same exercise uh, as my guest on the podcast that I interview, the, my ideal customers on the podcast that I interview. And I, as a marketer who's not as uh, in, in such a difficult situation as, as the security practitioner, I don't like that. So why do we do that? Why do we expose security buyers to that? I don't like to you know, be proposed uh, with you know, FUD and ambulance chasing. So why do we do that? Again, I think it stems back to the nature of the job, the fact that it's emotional, the, th the fact that it's threatening, the fact that it's high stress, leading with that is just annoying. And it's not productive to getting the job done well. And so there has to be, it has to be flipped on, on the head um, immediately, I think. And I think what's clear there is that there's a real empathy for that sense of community and understanding that community that the CISOs find themselves in. And, and listening to your podcast, we can hear that coming up as a, a regular theme. What would you say have maybe been some learnings for you around the importance of that CISO community through your podcast? Yeah, so I, I learned very quickly that CISOs and other practitioners alike, uh, whether they're directors or, or analysts, engineers, architects, uh, boots on the ground, are constantly interested in learning. There's a high curiosity to learn and grow. Uh, that's one thing. Others is, you know, straightforward. They, they, they value straightforwardness, clarity, concise communication. Again, cutting through the noise. There's just so much noise. If you take a look, if you take a look at the CISO's inbox, the security practitioner's inbox, you know, I'll refer to CISO as as the default for now. 
they're inundated with messages. And so clarity is, is key to breaking through. Um, another is just authenticity in order to build trust and, and credibility. Just, you know, say what it is and, and be true about it and honest about it. Um, there's enough, again, stems back to there's enough fluff in the industry. There's enough, there are enough people who, you know, say over promise and under deliver and, and just being honest about where you are in the industry or where you are as a professional, I think will go a long way because we, we don't all have the answers and we're here to grow and we're here to solve one problem. And so if you come in, uh, in an authentic and honest angle, that will get you a seat at the table with a, with a security buyer versus claiming that, you know, everything and you're the, you, you can solve all problems. Um, those are three common core themes that have uh, really resonated throughout the whole course of the 33 episodes I've already recorded. You had any kind of sort of, oh, wow, sort of moments where the light bulb's just gone off? Because I, I had a couple and, and have you got some some stories? I don't want to kind of steal your thunder because it's your podcast. But I mean, I, I listened to a couple of them where I was like, oh, wow, I've even found myself kind of I like to think that we don't go quite that far down the path as, as some of the kind of really egregious behaviors that are being described, but I'll just throw some examples out. Maybe you can attach some stories to them. So the one is this whole AI washing, you know, just everything's AI and AI is amazing. And it's this magic pixie dust that we just sprinkle over our black boxes and we put them in your organization and just make all your problems disappear. Uh, the other one is people pushing, you know, trying to solve a, you know, square peg into round hole, I guess, is a way to put it. You just don't have the product that's solving particular problem that uh, this this organization has yet you're still just banging away hoping to get some kind of traction and, and not you know not realizing you get that much more credibility if you step back and go hey we can't actually solve this problem for you here's here's let me introduce you to some people who potentially can um those are just two but there were so many of those kind of and i know they sound obvious when i put them in those in you know just state them like that but the point is that they keep being made. These mistakes continue to be made. But like some of the real kind of stories that resonated with you. I think uh, definitely the overuse of buzzword and particularly from some of the bigger players in the industry. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, they probably can afford to do that because they already have, have the revenue and the funding behind, uh, behind them. But uh, I've seen that to be quite alarming. Um, you know, they have the resources, they have the opportunity to do some pretty cool things, yet they resort to, you know, overusing buzzwords. That was something that, that really stood out to me after Black Hat this year. Um, another that I'd like to touch on just in general, and it's kind of an overarching theme that I talk about in, in the podcast, and it's nothing specific that can Ta well, maybe it could tactically be used, but I, I realized just on the security uh, practitioner side that despite them being grumpy, sometimes they are very helpful and open to providing con constructive criticism and also receiving constructive criticism, which allows vendors to, to approach them from an authentic angle and really utilize that relationship for long-term growth, which I think is absolutely fascinating and, and a great strategy for, for high growth start startups. 
um, not just from the, the ideal customer side, not just from the, the buyer side when it, when it comes to awareness and activation, but from a retention and advocacy side for existing customers, I think that's something that is super unique that not enough are tapping into there, the, you know, the fact that, you know, I, I was stuck in, in this thought process and this stig, the stigma of, not being able to access customers because I was scared and I was in my echo chamber really um, disabled my performance. And so being able to shift that mindset really opened a lot of doors for me as a demand marketer and not just as a demand marketer from the, again, from, from the fact of creating net new AR, but from retaining and expanding uh, the customer base as well. Um, I think, I hope I didn't go off topic here, but that was an interesting kind of um, examination throughout the course of this, this journey for me. And I can definitely resonate with that with the CISOs that I've been lucky to work with around, you know, giving feedback, receiving feedback, being honest and authentic and being open to, to having that uh, very transparent discussion. And another um, topic that I noticed in your podcast as well, which I found really interesting, and, and you mentioned it earlier on as well, was that mission over money uh, sense and theme. And it it feels that a lot of, or a few of the TSOs that you've spoken with throughout your podcast are maybe a principled bunch, if I can call it that. It would be interesting to understand your your thoughts on that or how you found those interactions. Yeah, I think I think so. And I think that's okay, given the nature of the job and the complexity of the job. And so, uh, you know, uh, I've, I've been speaking to very heavily with the folks over at Security Studio and FR Secure, Evan Franson and, and Ryan Cloutier, and in addition, Chris Roberts, who are kind of the triumvirate of mission over money. Um, and so, you know, they're, they are servants of the industry, they are servants of the people. And their belief is that if you focus on what you're supposed to, if you focus on serving the people, you will, you will make the money. And I, I believe in that because when you provide value to people and you solve their problems without any expectation of getting anything in return, what you're doing is amplifying the amount of value that you're giving them because you truly care and so they're more willing, your your audience is more willing to give you the time of day, whether it's time, money, resources, reward of mouth, et cetera, et cetera, that will come back to you 10x versus, oh, I'm just here to do my job, nine to five, punch, punch a clock, let's just, you know, give the minimum and then go home. You'll see that you know when you when you provide that mission over money, you're going to see that exponential growth, whether it's from a sales perspective or a performance perspective for for security, um, uh, much quicker than than if you focus on just I'm here to solve one problem and then go home. There's definitely this disconnect that almost people don't seem to recognize that they're like, oh yeah, everyone always hates marketing. Uh, once we've got past that recognition. What are some of the things that vendors should focus on in terms of, as you say, the people aspect, the mission over money? If you could kind of give your top three tips to CMOs at, at any size vendor saying, what you're doing is not working, do these three, th three things instead, what would they be? I think one 
go back to the foundations. Okay, well, let me take it a step back because there, there are the external shifts that are that feel more tangible for teams and and C level executives, and then there's the internal shift which don't feel as tangible and are much scarier for startups and and, and CMOs, CEOs, uh, all C level. And I think first and foremost, there has to be an internal shift, which is that mindset shift where we as an organization have to be customer first versus product first. And the moment there's that mindset shift, things start changing in the organization from a tactical standpoint, from the external shift standpoint, the way we do things physically and and the return we get from those specific specific, uh, actions and execution. Uh, Once once you're ready to say, okay, we're going to focus on our customers, be as obsessed as we can with our customer base, get to know them as best as we can, then you can take the external shift, which is we need to be better active listeners. And that is not something that is easily done. I know for a fact, because it took me 10 years to get to becoming a better active listener. And I'm constantly trying to become a better active listener. Sometimes it takes people less. Sometimes it takes people more, but that external shift has to happen within organizations because that's the the foundation of understanding your audience better in order to do things more efficiently for them. And then I would say, um, make that a consistent kind of thing, right? Because if you're not actively listening and asking also the right questions and asking the right questions can active listening and asking the right questions can be learned quickly. The mindset shift is something that takes longer. That's why I urge starting with that. You got to ask the right questions consistently because the market is dynamic. Technology is dynamic. Uh, phases in the year are dynamic, right? There are different buying cycles. Things happen um, in the markets. Things happen in the world, which impact buying uh, and impact security as well. And constantly asking consistently those questions throughout the year are going to give you different answers within uh, within your customer's journey. And then you'll be able to see trends throughout the year that you could potentially apply based on either seasonality or based on where they are in, in where they are in the market at in terms of maturity as well. So just to recap, internal shift, mindset shift, focus on, you know, um dripping that that requirement of being customer first and customer obsessed leading to curiosity and active listening and consistently asking questions and getting feedback from your customers. And Danny, that's a, definitely a topic, obviously working in the customer experience space myself, that's definitely a topic that uh, is very, very close to my heart that I'm very passionate about. Um, I'd love to get your thoughts on, would you say there's a, a company that you've worked with or spoken to where you've seen them doing that really well? You know, we talk from a customer experience sense that the customer experience and focusing on the customer is a philosophy that should run across the whole company from marketing to sales to you know post-sales for example you've got implementation um you know the customer experience and the support teams as well for example would you say there's a company that you've seen that do that really really well and what that looks like internally 
I have not seen a company that does it really, really well. I have seen a company that started to do it really, really well and then got acquired. Wow. Interesting. Okay. And also on the point that you raised there as well around, you know, focusing on that customer. I sometimes find that companies maybe um, utilize, say, the word customer, but they actually mean prospect. Um, I'm focusing maybe on, say, new prospects rather than current customers. Would you say that's also been, um, say, a, a tricky situation that you found on speaking to the companies that you've spoken with as well? Or is there a real clear delineation? Not necessarily. I think I, I, I differentiate it between existing customers and ideal customers. You know, you could take a look at your existing customer base uh, based on the data that you have. And from there, you can create your ideal customer, which is going to allow you to target who could potentially buy from you. And then there are prospects, which is the rest of the the industry who could potentially, you know, influence a referral to your ideal customer. but. I want to focus on customers, which are people who are going to most likely buy to me or who are already an existing customer. I see you're very happy. (laughs) (laughs) Alice is loving this. Yeah, you can just see the smile as soon as you were talking about customer first and mission over money. She could just see she was just that was resonating. When you're kind of talking to different people, and I guess you get the cynical and the, what I call the grumpy CISOs, but that's that's one thing. How do you get them to open up as much as they have? You've clearly got something is it just the subject matter they finally got an outlet to kind of say what they've always been wanting to say in a in a meaningful way that's going to reach a broader audience is it you is it what do you think it is that's a that's also a very great question um i will ask that on my next uh session which i have today because i'm i myself am curious uh to know but i think that the i think what is allowing me to be most successful is doing as little talking as possible and asking very concise questions that just allow them to to tell a story and then asking again in some other form because it it un, it unravels things it creates this storyline that you could just sit back and let them go i urge the security community the practitioners to listen because you know i i think communication is is a i think communication is a challenge for security practitioners as well and i think they need to learn how to translate tech into business as well and the tactics that i'm presenting on the show are a great way to break barriers for those techies who sometimes have ch- the challenge of speaking to their audience right? To the board, to the CIO, to the CFO, right? Even to the CMO and and the CRO. And so I urge CISOs, you know, I I urge security practitioners to listen in as well. And I I, I think the three core, uh, the three core segments that listen to the podcast are one sales professionals. That's the top, uh, the top one. There's been a spike lately because of some of the panels that I've had marketing professionals and and C-level security professionals have been listening as well, which is great. You know, I have a a great following from the security practitioners who listen in on a regular basis because they're one, they're interested in learning how to communicate better. And two, they're actually interested in the in the marketing side, which is fascinating to me. 
And I think that's a great place to maybe kind of move to the, the sort of wrap of the podcast is I think you've absolutely struck a nerve, um, particularly with cybersecurity buyers. Um, and I think the kind of message that, that comes through very, very clearly is, is what we're doing now as an industry is just not working. And uh, there's a huge amount of really good information in your podcast. And I urge our listeners to just have a listen into one or two of those podcasts because you know, as I say, you have those kind of like, oh, wow moments. And, and sometimes uh, you cringe a bit and you think, oh, we sometimes do a little bit of that. But thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today, Danny. And we always like to end our episodes by asking our guests three simple questions. So Danny, maybe looking back over your career, what would be the one insight that you'd wish you'd learned sooner or that you could maybe go back and tell your younger self? Talk to your customers right away. <laughs> Do customer research right away. Don't wait. Don't wait to do customer research. Uh, invest in it. Fight for it. And and it ties back to my belief that marketing is a customer experience function. And so it's not just about bringing in new business. It's about that whole life cycle of the customer, retaining it, expanding it, and making sure people are very, very happy. Um, yes. Yeah, wow, big heart for that one. <laughs> You're quickly becoming <laughs> Alice's best friend over here. Just curious as to what you're reading or listening to at the moment. Um, is there anything you'd recommend to our listeners, apart from your podcast, of course? Uh, well, right now I'm reading the the cross-sector cybersecurity performance goals from, from CISA, which is amazing. No, but... Um, that's for, for a client, which is interesting. Uh, but I'm reading, um, right now I'm reading, uh, uh, forget, forget the funnel, which is an agency. They, they wrote the right, they wrote a new book on a customer led approach to driving predictable, predictable recurring revenues. I'm reading their book, which is kind of a tactical book on, on how to apply your insights, uh, strategically and tactically, uh, throughout your plans. Um, I, I think it's a great refresher and a very thorough, thorough read um, for anybody who's interested in, in applying uh, customer research VOC to, to marketing strategies. And looking forward to the future as well, let's say this time next year, what trends do you think we might be spotting in terms of cybersecurity marketing? Yeah, again, I think more CMOs will be leaning on customer experience uh, as a function for their team, uh, leading on research and, and insights as a way to drive growth. Uh, I also think that there will be, uh, and this is my 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 forecast, right? This is what I what I believe will happen um, based on conversations I'm happen I'm having. Uh, more will also be investing in in customer marketing um, in order to to retain that business due to due to budget constraints, the recession, the need to continue driving scalable scalable growth in some format. Um, what I'd like to see also one thing is more um, creative ways uh, to create reference programs, which is, something I'm trying to tap into, testimonials are hard to achieve. What are unique ways that we can share stories that are easily accessible from the customer side and also uh, fun 
to to experience from the from the buyer side so if you find the secret please let me know <laughs> i'd also say uh, yeah for sure i'd also say um more creative ways at events tied back to digital as well how to diversify event um experiences that are are more hybrid and i i wouldn't say that traditional hybrid virtual event i would say we're physically at the event but how do we integrate digital to the event in a unique way that's something that i think uh could be, would be an interesting trend okay and then finally where can our listeners learn more where can they get in touch with you where can they find your podcast yeah definitely so i'm always on linkedin danny wolf w o o l f uh you could you know reach out to me anytime i'm always on linkedin you could visit audiencefirst.fm that's audience1st.fm to see all the fun nuggets the podcast episodes the resources or just a way to book a call with me if you're looking to explore some customer research within your company um so i'm available on those channels that's amazing. Well, thank you so much, Danny, for your time today. I feel like, uh, yeah, there's definitely been a lot that you've said there that I can absolutely relate to. So yeah, I really, really enjoyed our, our session with you today. Thank you so much for joining us. And thank you so much also to all of our listeners for joining us on this week's Fishy Business. It's been a pleasure to have you with us. If you have enjoyed our podcast today, please do leave us a review on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you're hearing this. And feel free to follow us on our Twitter page at Mimecast if you'd like to learn more about what we discussed today. Until next time, 